the beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended to him. What do you need most to help you grow as a follower of Jesus this year? What will best sustain your devotion to him, even under lockdown and in the face of a pandemic? What do you need to keep going in your faith in 2021? Now, there are loads of possible answers we could give to that question, but I hope pretty close to the top of the list would be something like this. A deeper vision of Jesus and clearer expectations what it means to follow him. Now, why do I think that? Well, we need a deeper vision of Jesus so we know who we're following and why he is so captivating. We need clearer expectations about following him so that we can be prepared for whatever comes our way, confident that it is worth walking after him. To help us feel that, let me paint a picture of what life was like for the first readers of Mark's Gospel, the Gospel we're beginning today. Mark wrote his Gospel for Christians who were living in Rome where following Jesus was costly. We know it was like that because in AD 64, when Nero was emperor, around about the time Mark's Gospel was probably written, there was a great fire in Rome. And the rumour started that the emperor himself had set the fire. Think of it as twi- uh, trending on imperial Twitter. Hashtag Firestarter. Well, in order to shift the suspicion away from himself, Nero blamed a group of dubious people in Rome. The Christians. Who were widely hated by all sorts of people. And he inflicted all sorts of horrendous punishments on those Christians from throwing them to the lions, 
to crucifying them and setting them alight as human torches to illuminate his pleasure gardens. Now, put yourself in their sandals. If following Jesus might mean that you end up in the Colosseum facing martyrdom because you confess that Jesus is the risen, reigning, ruling Lord and Saviour of all, what do you need to keep going? To keep following Jesus? To keep trusting him, even if it costs you your very life? Short answer. You need Mark's gospel. You see, Mark, moved by the Holy Spirit, informed by the eyewitness account of the Apostle Peter, of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, wrote his gospel to help those first Christians see the beauty and the authority and the compassion of Jesus. He wrote a fast-paced, action-packed, thrilling account of the life of Jesus. And like a good football match, it's a gospel of two halves. In the first half, chapters 1 to 8, Mark is asking the question, who is Jesus? He's writing about Jesus' identity. He wants his readers to gain a clearer vision of Jesus so that they can keep trusting him. In the second half of the gospel, chapters 9 to 16, Mark is asking the question, what does it mean to walk the way of Jesus? He writes about following Jesus. He wants to give his readers clear expectations that following a crucified Messiah means taking up our own cross and suffering so that they are reassured in the face of that situation. You see, Mark's gospel was God's solution to the challenges of following him in the first century. And this book is still God's solution to the challenges of following Jesus today. Our lives are obviously different from those of the first readers of Mark's gospel, but we still need a deeper vision of Jesus so that we remain captivated by his beauty. We still need clear expectations of what following him means so that we don't give up when it's hard. We still need Mark's gospel to give us these things so that we can follow Jesus fruitfully in 2021. And so as Mark opens his gospel in these first 13 verses, he raises for us right at the beginning the key question of Jesus' identity. He's like a brilliant film director in these opening verses, setting the scene for the movie, introducing us to the main character, putting our attention on the hero who will dominate the story. So who is Jesus? Well, we're going to walk through what Mark tells us about Jesus in these opening verses, and then we'll think about some applications towards the end. So we start by seeing, firstly, Mark tells us that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's Mark's conviction in the first verse of the whole book. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. We sometimes describe people as having a poker face, don't we? 
when we use that phrase, we mean that people are good at keeping keeping things to themselves, not giving too much away in conversation, keeping their cards close to their chest. Well, it's fair to say that Mark doesn't have a poker face. Right at the start of the Gospel, he puts it all out there. He lets us in on the secret. He shows his hand about Jesus. Mark hits us right from the first verse with his conviction. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Now, Messiah just means anointed one. Uh, It's a royal title. Uh, In the Old Testament, kings were anointed with oil. So Messiah is a title and not a surname. You won't find it listed in a Nazareth phone book. Jesus is the Messiah, the long-promised, anointed, rescuer king who will deliver God's people and make everything good again. Jesus is the king in God's kingdom, the one sent into the world to re-establish God's rule in the hearts of men and women. The one to whom all should submit with love and loyalty. Jesus is the Messiah. But a very different Messiah from the one that the Jews of the time were expecting. They wanted a military Messiah, a warrior who would defeat the hated Roman occupiers and bring national freedom. Jesus, though, is the Messiah who conquers by suffering who triumphs by dying. But Jesus is also the Son of God, again in verse 1. God's eternal Son, the one who shares the nature of God, God stepping into our world. And in his Gospel, Mark shows us the power of Jesus, God's Son, as he heals the sick, as he raises the dead, as he drives out demons, as he controls nature. And yet it is only when Jesus dies that he's confessed as God's son by a human character in the gospel story. It's like the clearest revelation of what it means for Jesus to be the son of God comes at the cross where he gives his life as a ransom for many. You see, the cross is like a pair of glasses that we need to see Jesus clearly Without the cross, he'll always be blurry and and, and out of focus. So Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And for Mark, again in verse 1, this is good news. And that's a loaded phrase. In the Roman culture of the day, that phrase was used as part of official updates on military campaigns or to celebrate the start of the rule of a new emperor. So Mark's good news is a world-changing event, a headline-grabbing, water-cooler moment when the true king comes to conquer and reign. That's the kind of atmosphere Mark's creating for us. But that phrase, good news, was also rich in Old Testament connections as well. In the prophets, good news was connected with a time when God would decisively intervene in history to save his people and defeat his enemies. And those glorious events are now set in motion as Jesus enters the stage of human history. 
His coming is good news for all who will submit to him as the king. But bad news for all who stand opposed to him. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. That's who Jesus is. Second thing Mark wants us to see about Jesus is that Jesus is promised in the Old Testament. That's verses 2 to 3. The coming of Jesus is promised in the Old Testament. That's why Mark links the arrival of Jesus with words from the Old Testament. Look at verse 2. As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, following straight on. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. See, the Old Testament predicted the arrival of a messenger God would send to prepare the way for his own arrival. Think of it as like a warm-up act at a concert whose job is to get the crowd ready before the headliner arrives. It's that kind of idea. And the messenger is John the Baptist. Verse 4 tells us that. But that means that the Jesus is the Lord who is coming. God entering his world. Coming to set things right again and purify his people. And you see, Mark tells us that because this is a moment of huge significance. All the hopes of the Old Testament now shift into fulfillment mode as Jesus walks on the earth. With the arrival of Jesus, there's a sea change, a step up in God's end time plans. It's like a spiritual temperature has been whacked up to overdrive. Jesus has arrived. Get excited, that's what Mark is telling us. See, Jesus is promised in the Old Testament. Third thing John wants us to see about Jesus is that he's testified to by John. We've kind of prepared for that, haven't we? That's what we see in verses 4 to 8. He's testified to by John. You see, John is the messenger who's preparing the way for the coming of the Lord. And everything about John is significant here. Firstly, his location, if I can put it that way. Look at verse 4. He appears in the wilderness. Big deal, you might think. But see, wilderness should have a hyperlink on it so that you can click on that word and it will take you back and open up pages and pages in the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, wilderness is a place for repentance and renewal. A place for old endings and new beginnings. A place for fresh starts with God. And that helps us understand, secondly, the significance of John's ministry. That helps us understand what he does. Look at verse 4. John preaches as the voice in the wilderness, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. See, John urges people to repent. That's the note he strikes. To to be ready for the coming of God through turning away from sin and turning to God in obedience. And the symbol of that turning is to be baptised in the River Jordan. And again, the location is significant. Israel crossed that river when they entered the Promised Land the first time in the book of Joshua. And by passing through the river again, it's like Israel is starting over with God. Something new is beginning. 
And finally, John's significant in the message he brings. Look at verse 7. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. You see, John points away from himself to the coming one who will eclipse him in power and status and dignity. John's baptism is connected with water. It's, it's external. The coming one will baptise with the Spirit and exercise an internal transforming ministry. It's no accident that after all this hype and excitement, Jesus is introduced in verse 9. See, Jesus is testified to by John. It's the third thing we need to see. Fourth thing we need to see about Jesus from these verses is that Jesus is commended by the Father. It's verses 9 to 11. Jesus is commended by his Father at his baptism. See, Jesus comes and is baptised as a sign of his identification with sinners. An identification that will take him all the way to the cross. His baptism is a sign that Jesus accepts the mission that the Father has given him. It's the start of his public ministry. Maybe you're uh, into the crown and you've enjoyed uh, some binge watching in recent weeks. I'm sure uh, many of us may have seen series one, uh, where you can enjoy the reenactment of the coronation of Queen Elizabeth. Spoilers, she ends up the queen, in case you weren't sure. There you go. Well, here, if you like, is, is John, uh, Jesus' coronation. He's crowned Messiah King at this moment as he steps in and steps up to accept the mission the Father set before him. And as he's baptised, look at verse 10, he saw heaven being torn open, the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. See, the heavens are torn open as a sign God is a work. The Spirit comes to empower Jesus as the Messiah for the mission he has, And the father speaks commendation over his beautiful boy. And the father's commendation is a a patchwork of Old Testament quotations which speaks how much the father loves the son and how the son pleases the father as he accepts the mission set before him. Because, you see, Jesus has come on a mission. He's come to suffer, to die, to rise again, Because that is how God's kingdom, his rule, will be established. That is how it is possible for you and I to enter that kingdom today through repentance and faith. Jesus is commended by the Father. It's the fourth thing. Fifth and final aspect of Jesus' identity, Mark highlights for us today, is that Jesus is opposed by Satan. Jesus is opposed by Satan, verses 12 to 13. Uh, given the significance of Jesus, that, that's kind of unsurprising, isn't it? It's kind of like what happens when you try and eat outside in the summer. Remember back to those warm months? <laughs> There's something that kind of happens that, that draws all the wasps in your postcode to start buzzing around you when you're eating outside and interfering with what you're kind of doing. 
It's like that here. There's something about Jesus coming that, that provokes satanic opposition, that starts buzzing around and, and trying to interfere with the mission Jesus has been given. So immediately after his baptism, the Spirit drives Jesus again into the wilderness. Bing, 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 bing. All those bells are ringing. And the wilderness is a place with a checkered history for God's people. In the wilderness, Old Testament Israel, God's national son, was tempted but proved faithless. And as a recurring pattern, here God's eternal son will again be tempted by Satan, but this time will be faithful. You see, Mark's gospel shows us Jesus has come to tie up Satan and to liberate people from his evil clutches. No wonder then, right at the start of his mission, Satan comes to tempt Jesus to try and divert him from the path of the cross, the path the Father has set for him. Jesus is opposed by Satan. Big breath. Let's pause. So according to these opening verses of Mark's Gospel, that's who Jesus is. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, promised in the Old Testament, testified to by John, commended by the Father, and opposed by Satan. Big deal. What has that got to do with us today? Let me briefly say two things. Firstly, this is massively relevant for us because it forces each of us to ask the question, who do we say Jesus is? The issue of Jesus' identity is eternity changing. If you're not yet a Christian here today, then you need to work out what you make of Jesus. He is, on any barometer, one of the most significant people who've ever lived. So who do you say he is? This is the most important question you can ever turn your mind to. But as you think about that, you need to be clear what your realistic options are. See, given all that we've been saying, there are really only four options about Jesus. Maybe he was a legend. A mythical figure whose significance has been blown out of all proportion over time as the stories about him began to circulate. Kind of like a big game of Chinese whispers where the original message gets twisted as it gets passed on from person to person. But there is credible evidence that Mark's account is early and reliable and therefore accurate. Or maybe Jesus was just a liar. He knew he wasn't God, but he claimed to be. But Jesus impressed people with his honesty, his integrity and and authenticity. Maybe Jesus was a lunatic. He claimed to be God, but wasn't merely self-deluded and in need of medical help. But Jesus impressed people with his insight and, and teaching and wisdom. Or maybe Jesus is the Lord. And despite all our suspicions, our struggles and our stumblings here, he really is God walking in our world. If you are here today and you're investigating Christianity, not sure what you make of it, can I urge you to keep an open mind about Jesus and consider seriously the possibility that he is who Mark says he is. 
why not track with us over the coming weeks as a church and work your way through more of Mark's gospel to see the evidence to believe that Jesus is who Mark says he is. But if you are a Christian here today, it is still vital to be clear on who Jesus is. This isn't just something for the beginning of our Christian lives. It's something we need every day. See, if we are to follow Jesus today, stay loyal to him, keep walking with him in 2021, we need to be convinced who he is. See, Jesus makes big demands of us. And we'll only be willing to take up our cross and follow him if we're convinced he is who Mark says he is. We'll only be able to stay loyal to Jesus in the face of pressure to downplay his significance if we are convinced he is who Mark says he is. We'll only be able to keep going in the face of opposition or suffering or personal doubts this year if we're convinced Jesus is who Mark says he is. You see, only this Jesus can sustain us in the face of corona. See, please be convinced. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, promised in the Old Testament, testified to you by John, commended by the Father, opposed by Satan. Who do you say he is? But secondly, What are you hoping will save you this year? Maybe scientific progress to get us out of the current crisis. But science doesn't have all the answers. Maybe the vaccine to get your life back on track. But the vaccine can only go so far in keeping you safe. Or maybe yourself, as you just grit your teeth and make the best of things. But we're not strong. We're weak. See, Mark wants to persuade you to hope in Jesus to save you this year. See, Mark shows us Jesus is faithful to the Father in the face of satanic opposition. See, Jesus is like our mighty champion who steps onto the scene and goes into battle on our behalf. He's like the equivalent of the older sibling who takes on the school bully when they pick on us. You see, we're powerless on our own to fight against Satan. We're in his clutches. But Jesus is faithful, able to engage Satan, able to defeat him and stay loyal to God. He fights where we would be defeated. He honours God where we would fail. He overcomes where we would be disobedient. And this qualifies him to be our saviour. See, he faces Satan head on. And he conquers. And the conquest supremely is achieved when he dies for our sins on the cross. And rises again so we can be forgiven. That means in 2021, we can stand safe and secure in all that Jesus has done for us. It means we can sing when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within. Upwards I look and see him there, Jesus. He made an end of all my sin and your sin.
See, Jesus experiences the temptations of Satan, but stays loyal to God, offering us help so that we can do the same in our spiritual temptations. My friends, I have no idea what spiritual temptations to disown God will come your way this year, but I do know that Jesus was strong for you so that you can lean on him and find grace and mercy and strength to keep going. So your saviour has withstood the opposition of Satan. So put your hope in Jesus this year to save you. Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, promised in the Old Testament, testified to you by John, commended by the Father, opposed by Satan. But what do you need most to help you grow as a disciple of Jesus this year? You need a deeper vision of Jesus and a clearer expectation what it means to follow him. You need Mark's gospel. That's why Mark put pen to parchment, to give us those things. So as we work through Mark 1 to 8, up to Easter, together we'll gain a deeper vision of Jesus so that we know who we're following, why he matters so much and should be the joy of our hearts, why we should be well pleased with him today as his father was well pleased with him at his baptism. We'll see more and understand more what it means to follow him. That's what I need and you need in 2021. See, here is Mark's condensed summary of his convictions about Jesus. Convictions he'll unpack for the rest of his gospel. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, promised in the Old Testament, testified to by John, commended by the Father, opposed by Satan. So friends, let's fix our eyes together on Jesus. Let's adore him. Let's submit to him as our king, because he is our champion. And the words of the song we'll sing in a moment. He is our beautiful saviour. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege uh, of uh, reading and thinking uh, about Mark's gospel this afternoon. Thank you for inspiring Mark of old to write this beautiful and riveting and wonderful account of the life of Jesus. And we pray for ourselves as we begin this series in Mark up to Easter. Please give us a deeper vision of Jesus as we read Mark's gospel. Please help us to have clearer expectations what it means to follow him so that he will win our hearts and we'll be well pleased with him and be prepared for hardship and suffering as we follow the way of the cross. Please form these things deep within us, we pray, individually, in our families and in our church community, we pray that we together would know who Jesus is this year. And that together we would look to him to save us. Give us confidence in your beautiful, glorious, wonderful son, we pray. And as we grow and experience these things, may we have chances and opportunities to communicate this to others. To those in our family who don't yet know you. And in our neighbourhoods and communities and workplaces as we have opportunity as, as is appropriate. Please work in us, we pray, so that we will follow Jesus well this year. Thank you that you've given us Mark's gospel to achieve that end. 
And would you do what you promise and pledge it will? For the honour and glory of Christ we pray. Amen.